1: Chad and here, co-host of the Process Breakdown Pro- Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your staff everything they need to be successful at their job. Past guests include David Allen of Getting Things Done, and Michael Gerber of The E-Myth, and many more. This episode is brought to you by Sweet, Sweet Process. Have you had team members ask you the same questions over and over again, and it's the 10th time you spent explaining it? There's a better way and a solution. Sweet Process is a software that makes it drop-dead easy to train and onboard new staff and save time with existing staff. Not only do universities, banks, hospitals, and software companies use them, but first responder government agencies use them in life-or-death situations to run their operations. Use Sweet Process to document all the repetitive tasks that eat up your precious time so you can focus on growing your team and empowering them to do their best work. Sign up for a free 14-day trial, no credit card required. Go to sweetprocess.com. That's sweet like candy, S-W-E-E-T process.com. Josh Brawley started his career as an entry-level logistics consultant in 2016 before transitioning into a pod lead, a role that displayed his elite leadership and provided the opportunity to become vice president and later chief operating officer of FWF. Coming from a family of educators, Josh's ability to lead teams and foster growth has been instrumental in his success as a professional. Josh, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you?
2: Doing well, Chad. Appreciate you bringing me on here. Excited to to chop it up and talk a little bit about what we're doing over here
1: at Fifth Wheel. Great. So FWF, yeah, tell me what that is.
2: Yeah, so I I still say Fifth Wheel. Uh, Our marketing department probably wouldn't be happy with that. (laughs) We went through a rebrand in 2018 uh, from Fifth Wheel Freight to FWF. Um, what we are is we're freight brokers. Um, no, no fancy way to, I guess, say that, uh, we find people that need stuff shipped. Uh, and then we find the means to ship it. We're kind of that middleman, um, that allows the transfer transportation space to go smooth. Uh, not hopefully go smooth. That's not, uh, always how it goes. And that's kind of why our jobs existed because of the issues that arise in transportation. Um, but yeah, we are uh, trying to make sure that, uh, America's truck drivers are, are moving and getting goods on the shelves.
1: How many people are, uh, are with you guys there at FWF?
2: Yeah. So we, we have just over a hundred, I believe it's 105 right now. Um, and we plan on, you know, continuing to grow uh, into 2022. We've got a, a class of 24 people that are going to start in January um, and hoping to add, you know, around 70 to 80 throughout the entire year.
1: So what, times of, what types of employees do you bring on, you know, that number of employees, what kind of things do they do?
2: Yeah. So uh, largely what we're um, the biggest role that we're recruiting for is our sales role. Um, obviously, you know, sales drives revenue. Um, so that's, that's the number one, I would say, you know, out of the 70 hires that we bring on, probably about 55 to, to 70 of them will end up in sales. Um, on top of that though, um, when you, when you uh, increase revenue, increase profit, you have to make sure that uh, that all comes in. So obviously accounting roles will continue to get, build with that and an operation role as well. The roles that allow this uh, revenue producers to go about and have their, you know, their day and go about producing revenue and producing profit for the company as smoothly as possible. Like I said earlier, this is an industry that has a ton of issues and a ton of stuff pop, pop up. And so if we can not allow the revenue producers to have that weigh their time down, and, you know, an operations person can take that over and they can focus on talking to more clients everybody wants.
1: When you say that there's a ton of issues, can you highlight some of those ones that maybe, pop, maybe would tend to pop up most frequently?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, you guys, could, you can probably imagine yourselves, um, if you guys are listening to this on the road right now, I'm sure you're going to, on the time that you uh, you finish your commute, you'll probably see a truck that's pulled over. Um, it, it, Sometimes it's stuff as simple like that with, a you know, a, uh, a driver blows a tire. Um, Sometimes it's, you know, it's 10 times worse than that, where, you know, uh, we've had over dimensional shipments um, where, you know, the bridge clearance wasn't properly uh, laid out there. And we thought that, you know, we could fit this 15 foot uh container underneath this bridge. However, that's not the case. The bridge's clearance is only 14 foot eight inches. And so now we have to not only, you know, let our customer know that we're going to be late, um, but we have to go back and find a proper route that is going to allow us to, you know, get this over-dimensional shipment to our, you know, final destination safely. It could be something as crazy as that. Or it could be, um, you know, I had a load when I was broken myself, I had a load of potatoes, just catch on fire. Um, and I saw it on the news, you know, somewhere in Oklahoma, uh, like two hours later, that this load of potatoes has caught on fire. In transportation, you know, there's there's thousands of things that can go wrong. Um, where you're very, very thankful when the shipment picks up, uh, when it's supposed to, and delivers, when it's supposed to. Well, those issues are really what allows players like Fifth Wheel Freight and other freight brokers to have their jobs and, and provide value to companies.
1: When you talk about not being able to like clear a bridge or get under a bridge or something like that, uh, how do you prep for things like that without just driving the route already?
2: Yeah, so that's that's called a route survey. Um, and thats uh, I'll be honest, that's something that I was not near as um, well-versed as compared to some of the other people in the company. I didn't do mm-hmm. a, a bunch of over-dimensional shipments, but that's a route survey where you're going to look at the bridges. You're going to look at uh, power lines as well, because power lines are a, a big issue when it comes to stuff that big. We'll have shipments where we have to send bucket trucks, meaning trucks that will just lift up wires so so that way um, folks can go underneath them. But normally when you're dealing with a shipment like that, the drivers that are hauling that type of equipment are extremely experienced. These guys got, you know, 20 years, 30 years over the road. And the companies that you're working with, too, they're used to doing the route surveys. They're used to providing escorts and things of that nature. And as long as everybody collaborates and goes back and forth and the biggest I think the most important piece of that information actually going through is the dimensions of the product being correct. Because the dimensions, let's say we're using a, um, like a caterpillar tractor type thing, for example, the dimensions of the product when the air's is inflated and tires are different when the, when the airs are not in, inflated. And so something as small as that could be the difference between making an under a bridge and not making an under a bridge or ten dollars to $1,000 in your shipment.
1: So you talked about bringing on new employees. Would you say that uh, people are probably the most important thing considering all these aspects people are the most uh, important thing in terms of your success
2: yeah i i don't think that's there, there's no question about that i think that's anybody in the company I'm from the founder the ceo myself that we realize that you know the people that we hire are what allows us to have success we're, we're in a unique position where we're in the transportation industry but we don't have any trucks um, we don't have, you know, we don't have an insurance bill or stuff like that. Our, our truly, you know, our investments are our people, um, and you know, it's also what drives profit and what drives revenue for the company. And choosing the talent to to continue to grow with us is, you know, it's it's imperative. Um, we we've had people in here that were talented from a you know a sales perspective and can bring revenue and can bring business, but if you don't align with you know the others from a culture perspective, that can be extremely dangerous uh, to to have in in your organization. So. For us, we we know that people is is as important as everything.
1: What kind of a culture do you try to set there at FWF?
2: Yeah, so this is this is one of my favorite questions to answer because uh, I, I came up with this whole metaphor myself, and uh, I, I ask you during the interview process often, and usually get some weird looks. But um, I ask you, Chad, have you ever seen the movie Three Hundred? I have not. Okay, so not not super important. It's a movie uh, about three hundred uh, Spartans. What is more important is they use what's called a flank shield system, meaning you hold your shield over your left shoulder. Um, and obviously, everybody is really tight together, and it creates this, this strong wall and this strong force. That's the exact same type of culture we want to have in here. The, the person holding their shield over that left shoulder, that shield's not protecting them. It's protecting the person to the left of them, and the person to the right of them is protecting them. So let's have that same, that same mindset in here. If, I, if I'm coming in here, and I'm working on a day-to-day basis, and I, I'm making 100 cold calls a day, trying to find people to move their freight, and I'm only doing that for myself, I'm going to burn out eventually, there's no doubt about it. Unless I'm super money motivated and you know, those commission checks really drive me, then I'm probably going to burn out. And I'm not going not to enjoy my job. However, if I know that me making those 100 cold calls a day is going to return, let's say, an amount of profit for the company, once that amount of profit for the company exists, now we're going to go reinvest that money and we're going to go create a job for somebody. And, you know, six months later, I watch you know, person C walk in and I feel like I'm partially responsible for that person. That, that's going to allow you to, to kind of extend that burnout phase and go a little bit more further. It's, it's the idea of working for something greater than
1: yourself. So how do you set that culture as kind of the leader?
2: Yeah. So uh, that's, what's taught to them early on day one. Um, we give out an award at them in the year, every year too. It's called the shield award, which is basically who, who encompasses that that culture the most. Um, and I think uh, uh, one thing that allows us to show that is not just talk because it's easy to have culture. That's just, you know, Hey, we, we, we're a family. We're, we're blah, blah, blah. We don't like to use word family just because not everybody's had a good family experience. And I don't want to say like, Hey, we're a family. If your family experience is an awful one, but no, this is a place where you can, Find coworkers that have stuff in common with you that enjoy, you know, something are going for something greater in terms of the career. Um, but you have to live it. And I, I think that's what we actually do. We do a ton of events outside the office. We have our Harmony Network, um, which is about the diversity and inclusion. But everybody knows everybody. I, I talk to every single rep on a day to day basis. The CEO of the company does the exact same thing. And, you know, we actually have relationships with the people that we need. It's not just a number.
1: So you're in the, you're kind of in the trucking industry, you're in the trucking industry. What would you say is the prevailing attitude toward, you know, implementing new technology and things like that in that industry? Yeah.
2: So that's going to, that's going to depend who you ask. Uh, if you ask the VCs, they, they're loving it right now. Um, you got the venture capitalists coming, companies that are coming in um, and, you know, talking to companies like ourselves, trying to pitch them on some uh, some tech that they're working with, with some other partnerships that they have, and, and they're, they're super excited about it. And then, you know, you've got the drivers, who are the obviously the backbone of the industry, who are, I would say are, are not near um, as enthused about technology entering the industry. Back in 2018, um, that's when ELDs became mandated. Those are electronic logging devices, um, basically, but Devices that track how long the drivers driving, making sure that they're not driving too long and putting you know everybody else on the road at risk, and that was a huge issue um, when when that happened at first, just because the drivers didn't want you know people looking into their trucks and understanding where they are. They're thinking of as a big brother type of thing, and since that's happened, more and more tech has been rolled out that's not on a mandate, but more as a convenience thing. And you've got apps that are supposed to be able to track drivers and you know show them. Where their next loads are going to be available, um, and drivers are excited about that because it's easier to you know find your next load. However, they realize that once they want to book that load and then they want to call in and actually talk to somebody, that they're not able to do that and they're they're just stuck talking to a computer, and that's extremely frustrating for them. So you've got you know companies like ourselves, they're super excited to, to adopt tech that's going to you know just drive efficiency and, and get rid of waste. However, you need to make sure that. The drivers who actually are going to be able allow the ones that allow that tech to flourish, adopt that. Because if they don't adopt it, then us adopting it does nothing.
1: So is that, is that kind of a pickle you're in right now? What are, you, what, are you, uh, what are you driving toward knowing that you would like to see more tech implemented, but maybe there's some resistance?
2: Yeah. And so for us, it's more about stuff that we're, we're finding ways to, to implement tech that aren't as much on the driver's side. Um, you know, it's, there's certain things with, you know, just processes in terms of building a rate confirmation every single time there's a shipment, we have to build a rate con that shows the driver where the shipment shipments picking up where it's delivering the rate any special notes that we have in there as well. Um, we're looking at technology that allows us to not have to do that every single time but hey we've done this one 15 times already let's have a robot just know what the spots that we are looking for we check these two or three boxes. And then they go go and build that rate confirmation for us um, where you're seeing the big push right now in technology, which I think is kind of like the silver bullet. If anybody can figure this out, they're going to they're going to do very well for themselves is the rating side of things. Um, you know, on, you go to Walmart, you know, your price of uh, milk might be fluctuating right now, but it's not going to be, you know, 50 cents higher one day and $1. fifty lower the next day. That is how the transportation industry works, whereas a shipment that goes from Grand Rapids to, let's say, Indianapolis might cost $1,200 today on a Monday. By the time Friday rolls around, it might be $1,800. And then that next Monday, it might be down to $900. And so a lot of companies are trying to predict rates, um, and it's difficult. DAT is a company that's been around for a very long time. and It's kind of been their staple. Um, but as a broker, we know that you can only kind of, you got to take it with a grain of salt. And so you see you know, a lot of companies kind of trying to come in here and push that tech piece um, to get better idea of rates. And that is one that drivers need to be a part of for in order to succeed. If drivers do not want to, you know, log where their car, car trucks are at, log where they're getting getting paid, it's going to make it much more difficult for those machines to learn and actually provi- provide an algorithm at rates accurately.
1: Is that something that you've implemented then?
2: It's something that we've tried to implement. Um, we've worked with a couple of different companies. Uh, four or five and i'm still working with different companies right now um and we've demoed a bunch of different ones at the end of the day though the human touch is something that's still needed
1: is there any other examples of technology that uh maybe that you're trying to implement
2: yeah i would i would think that on on top of those things um just just better you know ways for us to understand you know what carriers are going through and like Cause there's, there's some companies right now that are uh, allowing carriers to see like ratings on their facilities. Like, does this place have, you know, showers and, or, and things of that nature? Do they have a place for me to actually park my truck or am I going to be trying to, you know, back up this 18 wheeler and into a, you know, a 50 foot spot, which is going to be extremely difficult to do. Um, so there, there's a ton of different things and it's crazy because we're getting, you know, we're getting knocked down on the door every single day, on all, all these tech companies that are, Specifically in the logistics space. Um, However, there are other ways for us to drive efficiencies with non, you know, logistics-based companies. I just did a demo with an email-based company that allows you guys to, you know, just allows our teams rather to just communicate, you know, in a much smoother process back and forth. And so there's a tons of different things that we're looking at. Some of it logistics-related, some of it communication-related. That's just going to drive efficiency because we're in this huge transition where we've got teams instead of just when I was brokering trade, I handled everything myself. And now we have it where it's set up where we have our top person that's in charge of the entire team, but he's got three or four people underneath them. So make sure that communication is as flawless as possible. is something that's important. What, uh,
1: what kind of staff makes up a team of three or four people?
2: Yeah. So as it sits up currently right now, we have our SSEs, which we call our senior sales executives. Those are uh, the folks that, you know, they, they hold their highest relationships in the company. Um, they're dealing with our biggest clients and then underneath an SSE, he's going to have an OM and that's his operational manager. And that's the person that is just making sure that the revenue that is already accounted for is going smoothly uh making sure that drivers are where they're supposed to be. Um, and then leading the team members, which are actually negotiating with the drivers, talking to, talking to the trucks, getting them uh, down on rates know, uh, are fixing issues and stuff like that. So you got the SSE on top, and then an OM, and then he's got one or two people that we call our dedicated
1: operations. What does your day-to-day uh, process look like?
2: Yeah, so that's a good question. It, it's different. I mean, with a growing company, um, it could be, be around different. We just had, I just had a long meeting this morning, um, just kind of overall what our uh, plan for 22 is looking like in terms of um, any... Compensation we changes we might be making, um, overall visions for the company. I do a lot of our recruiting still. Um, I, I'm kind of a, the, the final stamp on, on all of our recruiting. And then a large portion of what I, I'm working on right now is the technology, choosing our technology partnerships, um, and then partnerships with it just within, you know, the, the West Michigan area, going back to making sure that, you know, the recruiter, are not the recruiters, the career services folks at the schools knows about Fifth Wheel, knows about the opportunities that we have to offer and then they just driving those relationships more and more.
1: I have uh, one more question for you, but first just uh, tell me how people can find out more information about fifth wheel FWF. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I would say, you know, the, the biggest one would be our website, uh, www.fwf.com. Um, follow us on LinkedIn as well. We're super active there. Our Instagram page, I would be uh, remiss not to give that a shout out. Our marketing team does an excellent job over there. And, and that's probably going to have the bulk of everything. If it, if it ends up on our website, it's probably going to be on our Instagram page first. So check out the Fifth Wheel Freight Instagram page, but fwf.com. Um, and if you're looking for a job, fwf.com slash careers is, is a way that you can get uh, put on my desk immediately.
1: And you're looking for uh, who again?
2: Sales reps mostly. Um, however, we will be hiring uh, operations people, um, folks in accounting, accounts receivable, accounts payable, things of that nature as well.
1: What is the key to success in selling what you guys do? Patience. Patience, number one. I, I, I think that's
2: that's... Work ethic, number one, work ethic, number one, patience, number two. Um, if, if, I, if I'm super talented and I don't want to work hard, I'm not going to have success. Um, but if I, if I as long as I work hard um, and then I have patience, too, because it, it's like baseball. If you, go, if you go three for 10 in baseball, you're a Hall of Famer. In sales, if you go three for 10, you're making a, a significant amount of money, but you can't let those seven no's uh, stop you from getting those three yeses. So having that patience, having that work ethic, and just having coachability as well
1: do you ever do you have any advice for um overcoming rejection
2: Embrace it is the best way the easiest way it's like it, it's like the same thing with truck issues here like I, I tell people to look at issues as a good thing because that's why you have a job um realize that you know and this is this might this is gonna make me seem young here when I guess I am young, but I, I use the pokemon uh it, uh analogy a lot you know in Pokemon, you start off and you're fighting really small Pokemon and you're just building those experience points. That's the same thing you're doing with cold calls. You're going to get told no, 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 no. But every single time you get told no, you should be able to take something from that and apply it to your call and hopefully, hopefully learn from it. We like to say in here to Nelson Mandela quote, I don't lose. I either win or I learn. Um, and that's why we look at the nose as an opportunity to l- learn rather than a loss. It's all, it's kind of like a mindset flip. Like let's just not say that you just got, Rejecting no, what what can we take from that and apply and hopefully get a yes the next time?
1: Do you have any advice for making a cold call not so cold?
2: Uh yeah. my, my, My number one goal when I was a cold caller was to just to make sure that the person I talked to remembered me. Um and there's different ways that you can go about that. I think the the number one thing is to just realize that. This person has no idea that, you know, maybe this is your first time calling this company. They don't know that stuff. And, and just humanize yourself. I used to tell people all the time, I would say, hey, XYZ, i Z, I'm calling in as a broker from Fifth Wheel Freight. Like, oh, another broker. Um, I'm like, yeah, but I bet none of them would tell you a freight joke. I'm like, oh, maybe not. Let's hear it. And I'm like, oh, it's semi-funny. And then they wouldn't laugh. It'd just be dead air. And I'm like, oh, that was the joke. Um, and then like, ah, ha, ha. And like, oh, I guess I should work on my delivery. And then after that, they laugh. And I know every single time when I call back, I can say, hey, I'm that guy that made that dumb freight joke. Um, and, and making a cold call is one thing, but you should know that you're not going to accomplish closing the business on the cold call. So your, your number one goal just needs to be, be remembered and go worry about everything else down the line.
1: Would you say that it's more or less daunting to do a B2B cold call than a B2C cold call, like calling somebody in their living room or their kitchen? Yeah.
2: So that's actually a good question for me. So I came from um, Michigan State University. Uh, The the job I had before I graduated, I was in charge of calling alumni and asking for donations. Um, And in that situation, I would 10 times rather call B2B, no doubt about that. Um, However, I'm when I was calling for donations, I'm calling for donations and not, and not actually serve, uh, providing something. But for me, I would rather go B2B all day long. I think that you might find a different type of success would be to c Um, but business to business, I think is obvious Not obviously I think there's a, a lot of, you know, a compensation advantage from talking to large, large companies and, and things of that nature. Um, and you can find those persons too. Every, every, even if it's, you know, a B2C or a B2C, at the end of the day, you're talking to a person um, and you can find that just as well on the business-to-business business side.
1: Okay, I, my, my final question for you is this. Uh, do you have any books or podcasts that you have found particularly valuable or enjoyable as you've kind of gone from entry level to uh, COO? Vice yeah,
2: um, the the subtle art of not giving up, Bleep, um, is one that was uh, extremely helpful for me, um, just cause I'm young still, um, and to be, to, to have the responsibility that I have, you have to, you know, you have to let that stress roll off your shoulders somehow and finding a proper way to do that is, is, is something important. I, I'm a huge fan of the, uh, John Maxwell too, um, the 101 collection, uh, leadership 101, uh, all the, all those books that, that he's, he's written. I'm, I'm a huge fan of. Um, and then for me, it's, it's more about just, you know, just constant, constant resources, reading, um, finding mentors, finding people that, you know, have been in a similar position as you prior um, that you can lean into. And that's one thing that I can say I'm very blessed to have is just the team that we have here at Fifth Wheel. Um, it's young, young, like minded folks that, as I said earlier, aren't necessarily just doing it for themselves, but they're doing it for the, the entire team, too.
1: Hey, Josh, I really appreciate your time today. It was great to talk to you and find out uh, a little bit more about FWF. I really appreciate it.
2: Awesome. Appreciate your time as well, Chad. Uh, It was a pleasure. Thank you. So
1: long, everybody.
0: Thanks for listening to the Process Breakdown Podcast. Before you go, quick question. Do you want a tool that makes it easy to document processes, procedures, and or policies for your company so that your employees have all the information they need to be successful at their job? If yes, sign up for a free 14-day trial of Sweet Process. No credit card is required to sign up. Go to sweetprocess.com, sweet like candy, and process like process.com. Go now to sweetprocess.com and sign up for your risk-free 14-day trial.